Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources, and I'm here today with Jeff Mazingo and Joe Richardson, and they are the founders of the Awaken Project, and that would be found at awakenproject.org. The music and stories that they provide to their audience brings a message of education and drug prevention that is really awe-inspiring. So first of all, gentlemen, welcome, and thank you for what, what it is that you do. It's amazing. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. Um, so let's start off by talking just a little bit about how you happen to get into this. And Jeff, I'll let you start. Sure. Uh, it, it is a amazing story. I've, um, I love telling this because Joe has become uh, one of my absolute best friends. And that's what kind of got this thing started was the fact that I was asked to pray for him before a golf tournament. And we went to a golf tournament, and several of the guys from our church, we just knelt down in the parking lot and prayed for him and his son. And he did not know that that was happening. And then we went into the golf tournament, and I actually met Joe for the very first time at a 4th of July party that we had, and I met his son for the first time. And BJ. That, yes, BJ. Yeah. And then we, uh, we had, well, my son was there as well, and kind of hit it off because we're all musicians and we wanted to jam someday and would love to get together at some point. And then unfortunately, BJ passed uh, a month and a half later. And it was just, it was tragic. And uh, the Awaken Project wasn't even any in our minds whatsoever, obviously. But this story began that way. And I think God brought us together in a very, uh, for a positive message that we can bring nowadays. Uh, because it's just one of those things where uh, it, you don't ever expect it. And uh, you don't see what's coming. And when it happens, it's, uh, it's just it's horrible. And what happened was we, we kind of got together after the fact. And Joe was uh, talking through the NCADA. And... He was going to PTO meetings, and not a lot of people were listening, and not a lot of people were coming, and he was very frustrated, but it was therapeutic for him. And I approached him and said, hey, you know what? I do 
school clinics all the time for music and music advocacy. And what do you think about maybe putting something together? And it's real funny because our wives, we the first thing we came out with was, let's call it Drums and Drugs. And our wives went, oh, my goodness, you will never have anybody have you come yeah. out because they're going to get the wrong impression. So uh, let me back up for yeah, just a second. Sure. So the message, Joe, that, that you were sending to, to audiences was one of prevention. And it had nothing to do with the music initially and awareness. Correct. And you couldn't get an audience. Well, I was speaking at these town hall meetings that they referred to them as, and, mm -hmm. and they would get communities together at schools to put on town hall meetings, and it was through the NCADA, National Council for Alcohol and Drug Use, okay. and they uh, let parents that that come on board with them, parents that have lost a child that wants to get involved, they usually find someone who's outgoing that wants to be a difference maker and ask them if they would like to speak about this and share your story, and I obviously wanted to do this. So I said yes. So they had me go and speak at two or three different schools. Okay. And the f it was a, it was a great release for me. It was very therapeutic, like Jeff said. But the one thing that I did not get to do more of I wanted to do was tell my story. I was told what I could say, how much time I had. You can't say this. You can't say that. And I just did not feel like I was getting getting the message out and what people needed to hear because I'm talking to parents and kids that are coming from the community. And they needed to hear more than just what about my story. They needed to know red flags and signs and understand that there's more to this than just what is on the surface. Yeah. So then you got to talking about how to marry the two. So how did that conversation go with marrying music along with Joe's message? Well, we both wanted to do something that would make a difference. We both wanted to do something that was totally different. And when you start looking at who is speaking about drug awareness, that's just it. You get a speaker. And we wanted to bring entertainment and a positive choice to the table other than just, you know, speaking to them and saying, hey, don't take drugs, they're bad. And so that's kind of where the conversation started. Let's bring something to a school that will give them an entertainment aspect give them something positive to look at and listen to, and then talk to them about the choices that you could make in life, and then we'd take them down the path of what Joe had to go okay. through. So, Jeff, your background is music. You own five music stores? Three, actually. Three. Oh. Three in the St. Louis area. In the St. Louis area. Mm -hmm. And, Joe, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're a professional athlete. I was a professional baseball player for the Boston Red Sox. Mm -hmm. I was drafted out of Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, played baseball my whole life, and was blessed enough to be talented enough to be drafted and, uh, and enjoyed my stay with the Red Sox. I uh, wish it would have been longer, but uh, it didn't work out that way. So being a pro athlete, you probably saw opioid use and, in many cases, abuse Yes, in I relation to that sport quite a bit. Very much so, uh, Greg. I was basically could have had anything I wanted at certain points in times, and I was not going to go down that path. I, I didn't need that. Sure. And, uh, but you probably witnessed others going down that path. I did. I witnessed a lot of it. I saw a lot of destruction. I've seen guys run their careers. I've seen guys lose their lives. And uh, it, it's something I'll never forget, and it'll stick with me. And after losing my son, I decided I've got to do something, and I want to be a proactive parent. 
Because I see too many parents. They don't want anybody to know my son took heroin. They don't want to know they died and overdosed in an alley in a crack house uh, or be left somewhere to die. And I think that it would be better if we could get more people to talk about it because we could educate more people. The more people that, that talk about their loss and what they went through, it's more information. It's more educational for everybody. Yeah. So I decided I was going to try to make a difference and do something in honor of my son. And your your show is very powerful. Is it right to call it a show? Well, uh, sure. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> we like to refer to it as an assembly. Assembly. Okay. Presentation, yeah. 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 Or a presentation. Yeah. So walk us through that. Walk us through a typical show and the reaction that you get from your audience. Well, it starts, we're introduced, and when folks ask how you want me to introduce the two of you, we say, just say, we welcome today the Awaken Project. And then we start the music. And not a word is spoken yet. We want to get their wall down. Because so many people have a wall up, and you walk in, and it's like, okay, well, what's what's this going to be all about? So I want to. The whole purpose of the music at the front is to bring the walls down, so they can relax, they can enjoy, they can have a good time, uh, they can experience something really positive. Then I talk about the choices that they make in life, and uh, how crucial those choices can be. And then I introduce. We do. We show a video, and the video is. Uh, very powerful as well because you read it forward and it's very negative and no hope then you read it backwards with the exact same words but in reverse order and it's very positive all turns into something that's, that gives you a lot of hope and that they can make a difference in this world then i introduce joe and then joe goes through his powerpoint and i'll let you talk about that and i basically just i introduced myself as a former professional baseball player and I talk about statistics on the heroin epidemic and the rapid rate of children we're losing to this evil drug. It's uh, running rampant in every town and city. It's, it's overtaking our kids in our country. And we're losing way too many of our youth to this evil heroin. It's the number one teen killer in America. It's overtaking the uh, drinking and driving deaths. Yeah, we're losing a generation. We're losing so many kids at such an alarming rate that people need to understand this is not going away. We are not going to arrest this problem away. We need to educate people so they know where to go and what not to do. And I give statistics on that, and I, and I show a PowerPoint. I talk about uh, other people. We show a little slide and a PowerPoint on uh, famous musicians, actors. I tie that all in because of choices. And then what I don't tell anybody till the very end is that the real reason why I'm doing this is because I lost three kids to my little league baseball team I coached, and one of them was my own son. So I go through that. I show pictures of my son. I talk about our family, the devastation, what it did to my daughters and my wife and how it affected me. And now what we're doing to help others and what we go through on a daily basis to help others, and then we also want to reach out to parents. Parents need to know, just as much as the kids, what's going on in the schools, what the drugs are about, about prescription painkillers, the marijuana, and a lot of parents are in the dark. So what would you say would be the most important things that parents really need to know about this that you've found in your travels and doing this week in and week out that they don't know, that they're oblivious to? 
that don't ever think it won't happen to me. My kid would never do that. My kid would never get involved in that because you're looking at one that said the same thing because we did everything right. Greg, I took my kid to church. We, we were the all-American family. I read books on how to parent. My wife read, and we did everything we thought we were doing right. And yet we live with this guilt a lot of times to where, where did we go wrong as a parent? The bottom line is, is that my son made a bad choice. He's not a bad person. And parents need to understand that. Your kids are going to make bad choices. It doesn't necessarily make them bad people. But a the parents also need to understand you have the God-given right to know what your kid's doing, where they're at at all times, because you brought them into this world, and you're responsible. So that brings about a, a real good question here in terms of privacy. And with someone, your child, living under your roof, what about their privacy? You said you have a right to know. So how far does that go? Looking in their room? Looking around? I think it goes as far as you want to take it because you are ultimately responsible for your child and to raise your child and to teach it and your child and guide them. And if a child is not doing anything wrong, why does it matter? Mom and dad's checking up. Yeah. Good point. Really good point. So as far as the, story, the, uh, the show is concerned, the show that I witnessed today, unbelievable. When you got into your story, I mean, you could literally hear a pin drop in the room. Um, very, very powerful. So you've done quite a few of the shows, and I suspect that your, your audience is pretty, pretty consistent there in terms of their reaction, um, uh, the further that you get into it. Can you share with us some um, results, some, you know, uh, the effectiveness and, and any, anything that you have to kind of measure in terms of um, the program and the impact is what I'm trying to get at, that, that your presentation is made in communities. I always refer to the one uh, school we went to, and we went to Johnstown, Ohio. And it was about 700 kids in this big auditorium. We did this last year. And at the very end of every show, we always open up the questions and answers. And, and after I have gone through uh, my PowerPoint and I go through and show them what I show them, we open up questions and answers. And the one kid out of all these kids stood up that day and said, I have a question. And I said, sure. What would you, what would you like to say? He said, I just want to know if I can come up and give you a hug. My heart breaks for you. Now, this kid stood up and did this in front of 700 of his peers, walked up on stage, gave me a hug, said a few things to me. I th told him thank you. So if you want to know if we're making a difference, things like that tell me we are. And I talked about how uh, you, sh you should be loving and caring to people and you should, you know, you know, I come from a family that hugs. And, and so at the end of that day, you, we usually have things we talk to the kids about or hand out on the way out of the gym. And I stuck my hand out to talk to a kid and he said, no, I want a hug. And I got 800 hugs that day when we left that auditorium. That's awesome. So that's one that comes to mind. And there's other schools that have, have been doing the same things. Uh, you know, when you get a standing ovation from a bunch of high school kids at the end of your program, you know you've made a difference and you know they've listened. No doubt. So the program takes about an hour, give or take? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what do administrators need to know and communities need to know about your program and engaging you? To come to their commu to their community. Well, it's it's about education. 
and we are educating uh, everyone that's involved with the Awaken Project on the um, the horrible drug epidemic that we have. Mm-hmm. And like Joe always says, you can't arrest this away. It's you mm-hmm. have to educate people yeah. on the dangers. So that is really what this is about. And it we like to talk to administrators and counselors prior to us coming to the school because the question and answer part is crucial at the very end of our presentation. What that allows uh, to happen is the kids that are asking the questions often are needing some sort of help and they are not able to ask anyone or they don't feel comfortable asking someone on a private basis. But when they get a microphone there and they can ask, they can say, my friend is, or I have, or they can talk about a parent or a relative or something that is having a problem. Or sometimes they ask and it's them. Yeah, so you coach up your counselors beforehand, so they've got an eye for that and an ear for that. And it gives you an opportunity for some intervention that you otherwise wouldn't have. That's great. That's tremendous. There's also kids that come up afterwards that, can you help me? Because I always tell the kids at the end of the show, I have a way to get you help today. If you're struggling, yeah. if you're thinking about trying, if mm-hmm. you know someone close to you that is trying and doing heroin, I'll help you today. Yeah. I can get them help. Yep. I also want to say that uh, we typically would like to have an hour and 20 to hour 30 time frame because that allows us to ask questions with the kids or they can ask questions rather. But also what people don't, a lot of people aren't putting in as a factor is that getting these kids into the gym takes 10 to 15 minutes. And if you bring them in at nine and it's, and it's 15 minutes have passed and that gives us 45 minutes and that's really not enough time. So we would really like an hour and 20 to hour 30 to do our program. Okay. So if a school system wants to, or community wants to engage you, how do they get in touch? They can go to our website, awakenproject.org. Okay. Or they can reach me on my personal phone, and I'll take any call. It's 636-284-1777. And uh, if you'd like us to come to your school or community or church, please call. We will do so. Outstanding. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And once again, congratulations on some unbelievable work. Your message is just, it's... Uh, I, I, I tell you what, um, I think that you've you've really motivated uh, a lot of young people today. So congratulations. Thank you, Thank you Greg. Yeah. We've been visiting today with Jeff Mazingo and Joe Richardson from The Awaken Project. And The Awaken Project is all about music and stories to provide a powerful message of uh, drug education and prevention. I'm Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.